There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business or, let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5K. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by Sendit Philippines. Sendit is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustle here and get $2 upon signing up. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a social worker. I'm not even a coder. So, but as an entrepreneur, I, I've seen a problem and I'm like, let's, let's take a shot and see what's up. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beithyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustlesharer Podcast. We are going to be talking to a multi-time serial entrepreneur today. I'm very excited because we got hooked up by one of our good friends. Okay, Bianca, formerly of Accelerate. So shout out to you, Bianca. Thank you for introducing us to our guest today. Because today we're going to be talking to a startup founder. Or a founder that has done seven startups with four failures and three exits. I've never met anyone with that type of win-loss column. And I'm pretty sure with four failures and three exits, 
this is not a fluke anymore. So I want to we'll do a deep dive on that but before I get carried away. I need to welcome our guest for today, Mr. Bill Yuen of Stackley. Welcome to the show, Bill. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good as well. Again, welcome to the show. I'm very, very intrigued over your win-loss column because, you know, <laughs> a lot of people don't pursue or don't persist after their first try. It's sad mm-hmm. and I understand because I almost didn't as well. But mm-hmm. before I get carried away also, I need you to answer the million-dollar question. Bill, <laughs> what's your hustle? So um, my hustle is about Right now, it's about giving every programmer an equal chance to succeed in tech. Okay. And that's my objective. So right now, what we do is I created a platform that allows programmers to compete against each other. So a Mm. platform that allows them to be famous by showcasing their capabilities so they can be rewarded with different opportunities. Yeah. So no race, no gender, no social background, just people with capability, just like Sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like the objectives is really like sports. Everyone in the Philippines watch basketball. So let's talk about basketball. Yep. The NBA. Mm -hmm. So um, the the sports. In sports, we don't care who you are. We just want to know, can you play? Yep. And I mean, the the NBA is a platform that allows basketball players to become famous. Right. Right. The best players are being rewarded with different opportunities. And most NBA players, they don't come from privileged background. Nope. But they, yeah, they, got, they got to the top because of the capability. Right? And that's what we want to create as well. So I want to create something similar in tech in which people just being rewarded simply by the capability. Right. And yeah, so that, that's what we're building right now. We're building like an organized professional league for programmers. And, and the league is building based on science. So it's mm-hmm. our talent analytics technology that evaluates programmers' logical right. thinking capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a nutshell of what we do. Got we it. want to create something similar to, to the NBA because I'm a big fan of NBA as well. There you go. There you uh, go. Uh, you're from <laughs> Hong Kong, and then there's a lot of basketball courts out there in Hong Kong. For, yeah, and uh, I, I, yeah, and I studied in Toronto. So oh, there so you go. We the North, right there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you're a Tampa uh, Bay. Uh, you're a Tampa Bay team this season, and yeah. it's one of the suckiest. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, our team, our team, our team sucks this year. But uh, oh, I mean, we we were we were okay last like uh, in the past two years. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to ask Bill before we go in into the, our most technologically amazing uh, vehicle that we have here in the show. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask real quick: Why a league? Because mm-hmm. you know, I mean, leagues are meant for competition, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. uh, esports. You know, it's always a league, and you reward the best. The mm-hmm. non-performers typically go home crying and uh, are left to to. To, to try again. And in programming, mm-hmm. it's a continuous effort to mm-hmm. become better. Now, mm-hmm. by gamifying and make, making it a competition, what are mm-hmm. you trying to achieve if your objective is to make it or give everybody a level playing field? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I want to create like a, like a league that people can want to continue to if, uh, improve themselves. Right? So that's why I want to, I don't want like a one-time tournament I want like a platform that 
hey, if you don't do well this time, it's okay. You can just go mm. go back and continue improve yourself and come back again. Got it. Right. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Now I need you to buckle up because we also have a machine that are built by the most <laughs> technologically advanced aliens in the universe that they lent to us because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share Time Machine. <laughs> oh. This was met. This was given to us by the Aztecs, <laughs> from the ancient aliens from before. <laughs> but I want to find out before again two things that really stick out: four failures and three exits. Before that even happened, what was growing up like? Were you exposed to entrepreneurship early? How did this happen, and how did you choose the path of entrepreneurship uh, at an early age? Like the reason why actually I'm even in tech is um, when I was in school, like in, in this college, is Canada, Canada in Toronto, I was planning to study music, classical music. Got it. And then when I told my parents, uh, just like all Asian parents, right. they said they're not going to pay for it. They pay, they pay for they pay for business schools, med schools, med engineering school. schools. Yeah, they're not they're not playing for music. Right. So. I'm like, okay, uh, screw it. I'm going to find a way to make my own money so I can pay out my tuition. Makes sense. So then I started my first business and it just happened to be, and that became my first startup. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a wearable technology. Like back then, back then there's no, not even such term. Like um, it's a t-shirt that can change shapes. It's a shape-shifting It's a shape-shifting That's t-shirt. That's a scroll. So, <laughs> Were you a way. scroll before? <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like a crew neck shirt can turn turn into a V neck shirt when somebody calls, your sleeve shrinks, so you know somebody calls. Wow. Because it, because it's shape shifting, so it always fits. So that's um, nice. That so only looks that, good for buff people like you. Badass people like me, you look like a freaking idiot. We will design something for you. (laughs) That's the the scrolliest thing I've heard today. (laughs) Just kidding. But uh, two things. Because, yeah, wearable tech. But you also mentioned in your profile that you also started a business, an entertainment business at the age of 18. Mm. Yeah, yeah. A a, a son of an immigrant in Canada, Mm. you know, Asians and again, please stop Asian hate for God's sake. Yeah. Okay, yeah. please, yeah. stupid. All right, yeah. well, if, you're, if you're in the West and you're listening to this, dude, come on now, real quick. But <laughs> the first thing that us Asians always have is that chip on our shoulder mm-hmm. because opportunities are scarce. Yep, you know, there's the ceiling that you have to pursue, <laughs> and we get boxed in. So for mm-hmm. Filipinos, we always are boxed in as nurses. For some reason, we always end up in your emergency room and people, ah, you're a nurse. You're a Filipina, you do the nurse. And again, we all get boxed in. But how did you overcome that? And mm-hmm. how did you even put up the entertainment business and the wearable tech business? If mm-hmm. also your, your, your parents are just fixated on a certain paths that they <laughs> want you to take. Uh, so first thing first, I normally don't do what people tell me to do. So... <laughs> I okay. deliberately do something different. So um, uh, the entertainment business is because I was a musician. So got it. So, uh, so I was like, okay, let's let's uh, we start organizing these band shows. 
going to different schools. We're we're the Asians. Like you're right. Like we're the Asians. <laughs> we're the Asians, and when uh, I have friends, they're rapping like, uh, like Fifty Cent. <laughs> I mean, like Chinese friends. Got it. <laughs> and they're rapping like Fifty Cent, Charu. Yep. Uh, and then people are scratching their head, and uh, no. So initially, no, no. Initially. When we went to different bars and said, hey, we want to perform. And I'm like, hey, like, my friends can rap as well, too. Uh, right. They can rap Eminem, Dr. Dre. These yeah. guys. But they were looking at us. They'll be like, but you guys are Chinese. Like, why are you rapping like, like black right. people music, right? So uh-huh. I'm like, okay, forget it. Like, let's, let's start our own business and put up our own show. And that's how that it got started. <laughs> so you, you were, again, the stereotypes happen back then. If you're... If you don't fit the mold, then people are going to throw shit at you, right? Yeah. And with, with that entertainment business and creating your own show, at mm. the age of 18, pretty sure you did not know yourself as well as, mm. as you know now. And, <laughs> you know, you're, just trying to, you're trying to find your way in, into the world, right? A lot of insecurities mm. for sure. And, yeah. of course, zero, zero experience in, in business. Walk us through how that ended up. And what did you learn from it? We, I mean, like that business actually did okay. We we make we made money, not a lot. Uh, we have like like twelve co-founders. So wow. like we got, that's a band. We, that's D twelve, right? There. <laughs> no, they're free bands, free bands put together. I say, wow. Because these are free rejected bands by different bars, and like okay. we just sit together. I'm like, hey man, let's just start this thing together. <laughs> let's see what's let's right. see what's up. <laughs> and um, so what what we learned is um. I, I do realize that, of course, like having co-founders is a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Um, but the, 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 the irony is actually, after that, all of my business are solo. I'm the solo founder. Right. But, uh, but, but what I've learned is it's, it's also very difficult to manage different, different people's ego as well, too. Yeah. Especially um, at a young age. At 18, yeah. you don't have that footing yet. Because you don't even know that yourself yet. You're just yeah, trying to discover that. Exactly, and all 12, 12 people are in um, rock and roll, right? The metal. Right. Right? So these are all hotheads. So yeah, <laughs> very passionate. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 then what I learned is actually making money is not as difficult as it seems to be. Got it. All right. Now with your wearable tech, since you mm. learned that, and you need to pay for tuition so that mm. you can keep playing music. Mm. So the, is it safe to assume that the first one was a failure? Or is that an exit? Yeah, we we it, it's an exit, but uh, oh. it's, it's actually an exit. And um, what what I did is I, I mean I'm not I'm not technical. I'm a musician, so got it. What I I, I went to the university. I asked some of my professors. I, I just went to some like computer science courses and asked a professor, "Who is your best students?" And so okay. these are the best students. I'm like, okay. Then I asked them, "Hey, do you want to join me? I want to put together this thing. Right. It's really fun." And so they helped me put together a blueprint and I used the blueprint for some reason because I read, I read a lot of manga and watch a lot of animation. Okay. I'm like, maybe the Japanese really like this type of stuff. So I'm like, okay, I just print a lot of blueprint. I print like, like 1,200 business cards. I flew, wow. to, Jap- I flew to Japan um, in front of like a Tokyo Big Site. Tokyo Big Site is the trade shows, uh, like a convention center. Right. A lot of trade shows going on. And uh, it just happened. There's a tech trade show coming uh, inside. I was standing outside, okay. passing my business card to like basically everyone 
going in. Right, right. And there, there, and there's one guy. He saw me three straight days. He saw me keep give, giving him business cards, and he he went on and talked to me. And he said he I reminded him when he was younger. He's actually a, a business owner. He has a booth inside the show. So wow. um, so he gave me a quarter million U.S. and what? just <laughs> and I started the business. This is 18 or 22? What was this? Uh, this around, I think 20. I think 20, 20, 20. This is for your, your entertainment business. Yeah. And, oh, no, that's, that's a wearable technology business. Ah. So the, the blueprints of the shirt, like that's, I have the blueprint of the shirts. And yeah. Wow. I just happen to have a million, million dollars. <laughs> Uh, wow. quarter, quarter, quarter millions, not no one million, just a tw- like 250,000. Yeah, I know, quarter of a million yeah, yeah, yeah. dollars, quarter, yeah, yeah. grand. Yeah, yeah. So, a shit ton of money. What did you yeah. do next after that, right? And then, uh, we put together a prototype. So, I went back to Toronto. I find I, I have a friend, he ha- his brother happened to be a designer, fashion designer. So, I'm like, hey, do you want to join me? And so, we put together a prototype, and then, uh, it was. It was actually okay fun. Initially, I was required to travel to different fashion shows for right. business business reasons. So went to Las Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> New York, went to Las Vegas, went, went to Paris. Um, you know, in these trade shows, you know, and like in the middle of the night, like some some of the fashion models will knock on your doors. Okay. And they would say they, they would say like they need to they want to try on the clothes. Did they have so, clothes on when they knocked at the door? <laughs> All right, that's uh, the most important thing. <laughs> let's, uh, let's just leave it at that. Because okay. <laughs> I imagine if someone's knocking on your door and they said yeah. they needed some clothes, yeah. they might not have yeah. clothes on, which is a yeah. tricky situation yeah. at yeah. 22 years old. But uh, it's a it's fun time. It's a fun time. And uh, right. I don't get a lot of sleep, but I mean, this is work for me. So this, I'm just working. I was just working. And, but then one day, so the business is doing okay. I mean, like we, we generated a lot of interest mm. and, uh, but there's one day I have two designers came into my, to my room okay. and he said, and, and both designers said like, they showed me like five different shades of yellows and say like, they were arguing like, which, which shade of, which is the true yellow. I'm like, I'm looking at these colors. I'm like, I don't really understand the business at all. <laughs> I think it looks the same. So, um, and then it just happened that there's a toy company. For some reason, they want to get into this, this uh, the fashion. Mm. So initially, they say, they are, can they invest in my next round? I'm like, if you want it, I'll just sell it to you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty exhausted. Actually, there, there are a lot of parties like when you're in fashion. And uh, initially, it sounds fun. But after a while, it's, nah, it's not really it's exhausting. And, I, I came from the party business, did that for six years. Yeah. Nothing yeah. speeds up aging like fucking going nightlife. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've, I feel older than what I <laughs> really yeah. am now because of that life. <laughs> you know, yeah. it fucks you up too. Um, yes. So, so the thing is, okay, like I don't really understand the business. It's exhausting. So just sell the business. So I use okay. that money to pay out my tuition. So that's how wow. I got started. So yeah. two for two. First one, you said that you, you're 18, you exited. Yeah. Uh, not really exit, but we just, we just ended because everyone needs to focus in school. Okay. So what, okay. Cause in, in your 
win-loss column is said four failed, three exit. Where would you put the first business in? Is that an exit or a failure? Uh, first is kind of neutral, I guess. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah. Second one, obviously, is a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, here's, here's, here's one thing I wanted to ask. 22, yeah. you get a win, get a shit ton of money. I'm not generalizing. A lot of people don't know how to fuck with that, yeah. how to handle that. Early <laughs> success, I've seen this happen also in the startup ecosystem here. Sometimes goes into your head, mm-hmm. and you know you tend to think bigger than who you are, right? Did you go uh, yeah. through the same process, or what did you did someone or did you manage to keep your feet on the ground after that win? I'm actually continue to so called staying humble. Like I, I didn't, I, I don't feel like I'm. It's a major win. Okay. Uh, I actually, in some way, I feel like it's. I fail, kind of like failed their business. I kind of like, oh, I don't really know how to run this business anymore. I'm not very interested in it. So I sold it, right? Um, but I, I actually, I don't feel like I actually achieved much. Got it. So right. that's why, yeah. But at least my parents are right. You don't make money from music. So I'm like, and I, Got it. <laughs> and I realized I'm actually maybe pretty good at this thing. So maybe I just tried again. So I, so I keep so after college. What did you do? You tried, tried it again. What was the business now? So the wearable scroll ma- magic <laughs> business that you were doing is done. Yeah. And uh, it says here that your fourth business at age 26 in yeah. its media. What was yeah. it like? And was it still in Toronto? Um, I tried that one. I was traveling back and forth between Hong Kong and Toronto. Got it. And uh, that is uh, so called media business. It's, um, it's actually we created a system that can that can write movie script on its own. What? Yeah. So, so what I I was reading some stuff from MIT about computer vision. I'm like, okay, uh, let's build. So we built a technology that can measure people's emotions by using a camera. Okay. Right? And then, and then um, and then we just show people a bunch of different video clips. Okay. And measure measure their emotions, so to get a sense of what kind of scenes that people like, mm. and then the system will kind of je- and you can you can actually even measure like wh- like how often do they look at the camera like look at the the screen if they're getting bored if this type of you know this type of scenes um, are they yawning if right. like when they see different scenes and then the system put together movie script. All right, and, and that um, sounds at, at that age. What year was this? Um, when, uh, uh, good questions. Uh, maybe twenty two thousand and seven. I think I'm not very that, good. At, yeah, yeah, I'm not right, very no good worries. at these dates. No <laughs> worries. Know, but, actually, yeah. But for anything pre twenty ten, yeah, that was early for its time. First it's of actually, all, yeah, very early, super early. Yeah. How, how did that pan out? How did you get the right talent to even build that type of tech? And how did you fund that business? Mm-hmm. And I guess. Uh, being early to the game, how did that turn out to be? So I bootstrapped it initially, and then uh, once I built a prototype, I got a seed fund from uh, an angel. Wow! And uh, but but um, how did I get started? Again, I do the same thing a lot of times. Again, I went to a professor in a university. At that time, I was in Hong Kong already, so I went right. to Hong Kong. Uh, I mean, I don't study in Hong Kong, so I don't really know these people. And so I'm like, oh, let's, let's try this professor in this university. I just went to his office. 
And normally I ask him, hey, can you be my consultant of my business? He's not, and he said, no. I'm like, okay, then again, who's your best students? And he said, oh, these are my best students. Okay, then <laughs> I went to his mm. best students and then they become my consultants and putting together all, the whole thing. And um, yeah, but, but then uh, this is actually considered failure. Um, what, what, what happened is the entertainment business is actually very dark and very, yep. dir- very dirty as well too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very, there are a lot of relationship needed and you need to do some weird stuff to actually get deals done. Sometimes uh, you need yep. to find, go to weird places to entertain people. So I'm not really, I'm already not very, not having a very good experience in this business, but I'm still running it. Mm. So, um, but there's one day there's a guy that makes porn. Okay. And, so he came to us. He said, like, he has this idea. I, I'm, I'm kind of like a tech guy in entertainment industry at that right. time. And he said, like, oh, I have, like, he said, oh, I, they like my technology and they want to put some money in. At the same time, they also, also want me to help them put together some kind of, create some kind of 3D porn some, or some okay. sort. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he just assumed that because I'm a tech guy, like, I mean tech, so he assumed that I kind of know all the tech. So like, can you right. also like put together this like 3D porn stuff? Uh, and I'm like, I have enough of this business. <laughs> 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 Man, your business yeah. are really raking them in. The first, the shirt one people come in with you shirtless. Yeah. And now is a support producer. Wow, you must have had a hell of a childhood in twenty two thousand. This is free social media times, by the way. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and of course, I, I also, uh, and the, and the, and uh, we're kind of like burning out all the cash already at that time as well too. So, yeah. I'm like, okay, like if you really want this system, I'm gonna. Just give it to you as a super low price. Just take wow. it and you can use it to create like a best porn if you want. But that you can you can keep it. Then. So if, guys, if you're watching a porn <laughs> video right now and it somehow predicts what you feel about that, it's probably because of this guy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm quite sure they have only one emotion when you okay. measure it. Right. I don't <laughs> so know. I don't know. Like... <laughs> I'm quite sure they're not yawning or anything. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but but that, yeah, that's considered a failure for me to me though. Got it. All right. So so far our scorecard is no one neutral, two failures. So uh, far, based yeah, on. But- the, the the funny thing is both failures. I actually made money, so it's no, kind of like. But a, in your scorecard, yeah. If, yeah, if that's a failure, yeah. then that's a failure. Yeah, that's right. a failure for me. Yeah, I, like it's not it, it's not something that I will walk around, put it on LinkedIn, and tell everyone. That's what I did. So yeah, got it. All right, and let's take let's take a first break, and when we come back, let's now go further down your scorecard and how you got back from these so called <laughs> failures that you're talking about. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey hustlers, it's been over a year and a half since the pandemic has started and completely bamboozled us because it changed and altered how business is done in the Philippines. But if there's a silver lining that I've seen, the businesses and startups that thrive now are those who are not just digital, but also make it easy for their customers to pay them. And the thing is, no matter how great you think your product is, your startup won't scale and achieve real product market fit if you don't do an omni-channel approach in getting your customers payments. Now, we've discussed so many options of how to get that done in this podcast already. However, what if you can just get that done using just one product? And that's why I highly recommend that you guys 
use Sendit. Sendit Philippines is the leading payment gateway in the country and they allow businesses to painlessly and seamlessly accept payments from their customers. And these payment channels include credit cards, direct debit, e-wallets like Gcash, PayMy, and GrabPay, retail outlets, and pay later. Now, I'm not going to recommend this if we are not a user ourselves. We use Sendit in Podcast Network Asia and getting payments from our sponsors and also disbursing money to our podcasters. Now, it's not just us because there's a lot of legit Filipino startups that achieve scale that are using Sendit to get this done, just like our friends from Kumu. Now, if you're interested to use it for your business or your startup, we're going to make it very easy for you to get started because you are a listener of HustleShare. And that's why we're going to give you access to Sendit's SME program, which is Sendit's org-wide initiative to help our SME customers grow and scale. Through this program, they will waive up to 1.6 million pesos per business and free transactions just by signing up today. And it's only applicable to new Sendit merchants and for transactions excluding cards. So if you're interested, just click the link in the description box of this episode to find out how to join. So if you have a business or startup that's gaining momentum now, I highly suggest you start investing in this infrastructure like Sendit to allow you to scale, not just now, but for a post-pandemic world. All right, let's get back to the show. And we're back from a break. We are still with Bill Yuen, who again showed us again what his first three businesses was. Uh, always happens to be with hot with, with them hot chicks and whatnot. So again, <laughs> very very nice early 2000, uh, 2020s that you have. So. But here's the thing. You you mentioned, Bill, that you you're not that happy with how that turned out. Mm-hmm. On your next business, it says here that you were doing AI and you are mm-hmm. now in your 30s. Mm-hmm. And here's what, what I, I remember being in, in in this stage. My first startup was called Party File. I did that for six years. Also nightlife, but no porn, no hot chicks. I was just out there trying to trying to grind. So I, I empathize with you giving away uh, flyers and whatnot because I was selling VIP memberships to get people in the club. As soon as they're in, I'm too tired. I go home and I sleep <laughs> and I do it the next day. But one thing is that failed. And in your mid-20s, the quarter-life crisis kicks in. Mm. And then now in this day and age where social media is a highlight reel. People always flex like, oh, I have a car now, blah, blah, blah. You start looking, measuring yourself like, shit, what am I doing with my life? How come mm-hmm. I'm still broke? How come I'm still struggling? How come all these things creep into your head? Mm-hmm. And if in your head, you said that the last two businesses that you did were failures, was there that personal doubt now? Or that, that uh, cause I felt very insecure at 26, 27. I felt like mm-hmm. shit. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I, I failed my last startup, even though mm-hmm. I did raise significant money and did great mm-hmm. traction. Until I was able to win or technically do an exit on my next startup, I had to live with that demon inside me. Mm-hmm. For you, did they have that? Did you have that feeling? Was that the chip on your shoulder that pushed you through your next startup? Actually, not really. Um, again, I refer back to sports. Um, like in the NBA, they say that all the time, the great players they have very short memories. Yeah. Right. So for me, like I actually, I I never 
actually never even think about like the past. That's why when you ask me which year, I actually don't really remember. I don't I don't think about the past like at all. So like really? you know like yeah. So like just like playing sports, you miss a shot, you take the next shot. Like you don't right. you don't you don't you don't let your previous shots. Affect yours, your next shots, right? So yeah, but, but there yeah. there are guys like Jordan who are extreme, like you know, get cut in high school, mm-hmm. and that pain drives you. Kobe, mm-hmm. you know, did, missed a lot of shots, and mm-hmm. again, I empathize too. I played basketball when I was uh, in high school as well, so mm-hmm. a lot of how I approach the game of startups and how mm-hmm. I approach you know leadership is very ingrained with sports, mm-hmm. and a lot of what I do and what I make sure that that's the chip on my shoulder originates from past pain mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. for me that past pain of again losing a startup i mm-hmm. even wrote a freaking article about this mm-hmm. i don't ever want to feel that again because <laughs> you know th- that thing but for you having that short-term memory this is very interesting and i want to find out how you move forward because if the short-term memory helps how do you make sure you don't make the same mistake again I mean, like I learned from it, but like in terms of how I can so-called, like you mentioned earlier, how to alleviate the pain. Yeah. The so-called therapy that for myself is actually just reading a lot of different biographies from different entrepreneurs, like Howard Schultz, you know, like um, uh, Michael Dell, like all these guys. When you really read the stories, you realize, I mean, like they fail a lot of times as well too. And, and and for some reason, the more you read about these guys, you re- at least for me, I feel like, oh, maybe I can actually do bigger stuff. So actually, I don't even think about what happened before. I'm like, okay, like these guys fail and they end up become like having this super large company. I'm like, got it. Maybe I would just probably just do the same. So I didn't, yeah. I like it. It's, it's a unique take. Uh, again, just coming from, again, well, that past failure of mine as well. That's mm-hmm. how I cope. But if mm-hmm. this is what got you here, then it works too. Again, that's <laughs> the thing with, with, with entrepreneurship. There's no one way only to, to overcome things. So yeah, everybody mm-hmm. has their own way. And the thing is, nobody can figure it out. Nobody has a playbook but, uh, aside from the founder itself. So walk us exactly. through now on, on the next mm-hmm. uh, startup. AI, what were you, what's the next uh, thing that you guys did? So it's a, it's a computer vision plus deep learning architecture. So what we do is we call it like shoppers analytics. It's a web. It's a it's an it's a web camera that we can mount in mannequins, right? Whoa. And then mount in mannequins, and then and then it can measure the people how many seconds that people look at the mannequins, right? So if I put a a yellow shirt on a mannequin and this person's, like we can act, first of all the system can identify the age range and gender of the person as well too. Um, so if I put like a yellow shirt on one mannequin, uh, a blue shirt on another mannequin, and then we measure how many seconds this person looked at this mannequins. And then we also know their age range and gender. We actually can tell like how many, like what kind of, and then we tag with t- time, date and location. Then we will know like what type of demographics will be at this location at this time um, that will like certain type of products. And uh, we, we mount these on mannequins and we put it at the shop window. And I think in one year, we generate more data points than Foursquare. What? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So um, that, that, that's what, uh, that, that was a business. So that was a business. 
Got it. All right. Now, how did that end up? This one is this uh, what your first big exit that you're talking about, or uh, yeah, that's, what, uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of like my biggest exit. Um, wow. I was in Hong Kong at that time, and um, like after, like I think after a year and a half to two years, I, I started the business. I realized Intel has a very similar, almost exact same technology, and wow. they're ent- and they're entering Asia. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, okay, like how am I going to compete with Intel, right? So, and uh, I was initially I was starting a strategic partnership with uh, a Japanese fund, okay. and then and then uh, they really want to put a lot of money in, and but I, I told these guys I'm like, but we are actually need to going compete against Intel, and I said, like we are the I actually I try to convince them to sell to Intel, but they don't want to. So I'm like, okay, like, I will just sell it to you. If you're right. so confident that you can compete with Intel, then I'm just selling it to you. And I did. I think during that experience, I actually realized Japanese, actually, they're very confident. They have a very confident culture, especially in yeah. tech. They really believe in that, like, they can actually build the best technology in the world. Yep. So they, like, they were like, okay, Intel is coming. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, the quiet okay. confidence type. They're not. Yeah. They're, I've I've noticed that they're not the type to bo- to boast. Yeah. Where say in a Western setup, they know they're good, but they fucking tell the world about it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, they go, I'm different, man. I'm different. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't. They don't do that. They're just a quiet yeah. confidence. Yeah. You know, they drill the head down, and they get shit yeah. done. You know. Yeah, and they're, they're like they're, about it. Yeah, they're like a military. Like they're like yeah. they just go. Go to work like where's the celebration? <laughs> Correct. No, it, it's. Yeah. I think also it's it's the it's the the culture of excellence that they're used to. The the standards are very high. Yeah. Like like uh, good enough is not good enough, right? So that's it. So after that exit, this is your biggest exit by far. Mm-hmm. What's next? After um, then I came to the Philippines. That's the, mm. after after that came, but be in between um, with some money. Uh, I, I'll just dive a little bit into like why am I in Philippines and like so, right. so like um, so after I sold the the business, um, mm-hmm. I I I took a trip so I visited uh, Tibet and Nepal. Wow, um, climbing the Everest and yeah, just going around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you so, find a Shangri La? No. Uh no, <laughs> the, the hotel <laughs> maybe. You found, yes, the hotel, <laughs> not the real Shangri La. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then the thing is like I witnessed poverty firsthand in rural China. Yeah, uh, that's the first time I really see poverty, and so I'm I was I'm taken with the idea that hey, like like with my startup experience, I can harness my ex- expertise and money to maybe better the lives of people in the developing world. And at that time, I was reading a lot of stuff about Obama as well too. Yep. So it's kind of inspired me quite a bit. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, uh, maybe I can do something to help the world as well too. So, so I, was, uh, I just wanted to launch a project that aims to get underprivileged young men and women into tech. Um, right. because, because tech jobs are middle-class jobs, right? So getting yep. them in to work in tech can effectively lift them out of poverty. So yeah. I chatted with some friends and, uh, and a friend suggested me to come to Philippines so so I did. Wow. And why the Philippines of all countries? Is it because you also saw the the uh, 
the, the big gap of wealth here. I mean, there's a lot of rich mm. motherfuckers here in this, in this country, <laughs> right? Yeah. But yeah. that top 1%, <laughs> if you compare them to the bottom of the pyramid or just even at the middle of the pyramid, the, the, the chasm is huge, right? Mm. I come mm. from that part. I mean, I mm. come from humble beginnings, my family. Mm. And just being in this position now to at least give myself a better chance and even the people around me a better chance at life, I'm super blessed and super grateful. And I'm not even the top 1%, right? <laughs> what more? But, you mm. know, th- those people uh, in, in, in the, they call it laylayan in, 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 mm. um, in the Philippines, right? Again, okay. their opportunities are scarce, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm type of you know choices that they can make mm-hmm. is predetermined sometimes mm-hmm. by you know their surroundings so what, what what did you see here and what was the mission next exactly um exactly so like um well for initially the reason why i i chose to came to philippines is philippines is actually the world's number two it outsourcing destination behind india yeah so 14 percent of the global market came, it's belongs to the Philippines. Yep. So the countries need a lot of programmers to support its uh, industry's explosive growth. Yep. And, and, uh, but its local top university, universities are not producing enough tech talent to meet the rising demand. Yep. So, so I was like, um, on the flip side, each year, there are many IT graduates coming out of tier two schools. Like these are schools that serve the underprivileged segment. Yep. And most local tech companies, they pass on like tier two school graduates simply because they're not from top schools. I mean, like if you go to any companies, they will prioritize like UP, LaSalle, Antonio, right? <laughs> like, like USD, see USD. One, there were four, yeah, there's four like, of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> USD is all I come from USD. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, Just if, yeah, yeah. if we don't mention it, yeah. our, our producers also <laughs> from music. Uh, graduate from US team might get mad at you. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about tech. Right. I'm talking about tech. <laughs> yeah, but but um, but that's kind of like a generally what's happening. Of course, there are other top schools as well too, in especially in Manila. But a majority they they don't come from these schools. And and I was like, what if what if I can convince the industry to, pre- to hire the lower income IT graduates from the tier two schools? Because from my perspective, the need for these kids to fight for survival every day at a very young age can shape them into like a very mentally tough individual. And I think that can be a valuable yeah. assets to the companies, right? So, so I, was, I was very naive. I was like, oh, it's a simple matter of just change the perception of how the company sees these graduates from the tier two schools. But then it turned out to be like the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. So um, I don't, first of all, I don't know anybody here. So um, when I arrived, I just knocked on like over 30, 40 schools doors. And, and then I asked them, can they give me some IT graduates? So I gathered around 50 IT graduates from different tier two schools. And I placed them in different tech companies Uh, within three months. All of them got fired. I 100% got fired. And I was kind of shocked. So I asked these employers, like, why are they fired? And they simply said, like, they're simply not very good. And, um, and then I visited 
you know, I mean, like, but uh, for me, I'm like, but they're IT graduates. And it, first of all, when I came here, I didn't really know what are the top schools. So I thought they are kind of like uh, similar, you know, right. so, so, so I visited and then I visited another like 70 schools, I think. I sat into uh, this programming classes and I realized that education quality is really substandard. Yes. Uh, I also chatted with many ITBPO executives and they told me what they told me. These are from the experience. Up to 90% of IT graduates are unhirable in the Philippines. Correct. That's what they said. Like, that's not my opinion. That's what they told me. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And, and, and the number is kind of aligned with my own findings as well, too. So, so the, first of all, the, the first problem here is education quality. And the problem is tier two schools have less resources and equipment to deliver good quality programming education. Right. So um, for me, I, I find it, I find like, I mean, like there are many underprivileged young men and women can uh-huh. become programmers and maybe even good enough to start the next big tech company, like, like a thinking yeah. machines. Right. Yeah. But they might not know it because children born in poverty, they have stripped away of opportunity of obtaining mm-hmm. a quality education. And this is not new. I mean, this has been going on for decades. And I'm not a teacher. I'm not a social worker. I'm not even a coder. So, mm. um, but as an entrepreneur, I, I've seen a problem and I'm like, let's, let's take a shot and see what's up. So, so the problem I try to solve, first problem I need to solve is education quality problem. And uh, right. I did what I do best. I started a business. I started a startup and I, I first built an assessment technology that can analyze programmers' capability. And then I built a learning management systems. And then I combined them together. And the plan is I provide these two technology for free to all schools so they can elevate the tech education quality. So that, uh, that's what we did on education side. But remember, like my original goal is to get people into tech. Right. So in order to get people in the tech, on one hand, I want to ensure everyone has equal chance to get quality tech education so they have skills. So the assessment and LMS mm. are supposed to solve that problem. But on the other hand, we have another problem. I want to make sure that once they graduated, everyone has an equal opportunity to get a good tech job. But like I mentioned earlier, local employers have a strong bias towards graduates from top schools. So, which is not surprising. And they normally have higher chance of getting a good job and high salary. So let's assume. So from my perspective, let's assume that my technology can elevate all schools' education quality to the same level. This programming graduates, they still face an unfair, an unfair playing field because employers will still prioritize job opportunity for the ones from the top schools, even though let's assume that they receive the same quality education. Mm. So I'm like, okay, how do we level the playing field? And that's why I built the Stack League. Okay. Uh, 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 yeah. So a platform that gives everybody an equal chance to showcase their skills. Got it. Now, I, I want to chime in on this. Um, yeah. I agree because again, this is my third startup now. Each mm. and every one of them required to have devs. So first thing I want to uh, want to uh, agree with you on is yes, a lot of the people that 
graduate an IT job mm-hmm. are not hireable, not because it's the student's fault, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And not also just because of the school's fault. Because it's easy to post blame on, ah, it's the students are not good enough, the things are not good enough. Mm-hmm. Now, the, I think a lot of it is, is actual practitioners, Mm-hmm. Uh, in in tech jobs, and also mm-hmm. the, the the scenario in the Philippines. I mean, having talked to the president of the IBPAP here before, mm-hmm. right? Ninety percent of tech jobs that are being done here again is outsourced. Mm-hmm. So, if you are a tech startup founder looking mm-hmm. for the best talent, if there is a hundred people that you can hire, ninety percent mm-hmm. of them are now, or ninety of them are selling their services to outsource mm-hmm. when you say outsource these are bpos so you're yeah. only left to fend for the 10 percent yeah. right and, and in a in a tech environment having had dev teams left and right waves of them come and go mm-hmm. the one thing that really more than theory is mentorship mm-hmm. a lot of devs especially in the philippines require a proper mentor to not mm-hmm. just teach them how to code but also be the role model Mm-hmm. To, to to become the dev that they're destined to be. Because again, if none of them are ready to be hired at first, uh, this is mm-hmm. why I, I think if you're a dev or you know any dev and you're still about to graduate, the best way to even make you hireable is to earn mm-hmm. an intern for a company. Because mm-hmm. there, you're, you're being taught uh, something that uh, that's not being taught in school. And majority of the time, any every intern that we hire that have had that experience to will always tell us, Ron, you know what they're teaching us at school had nothing to do with what we're actually doing in real life. And, and that's why. And I'm happy because after X amount of years, they're now eligible for that, that pay raise, which then allows them to, to raise the level of, of, of or quality of life that they can provide mm-hmm. for their families as well. Now, in Stack League, aside from the LMS and giving everybody a level playing field, what mm-hmm. else are you able to do for the ecosystem? Because if that is a daunting task that everybody's trying to solve, and a lot of people <laughs> are trying to solve this, this big gap, by the way, it's sort of like a catch-22, a chicken and egg situation. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not enough, blah, blah, blah. But how is Stack League able now to, to do that? Because as I'm reading this through your description, you already have 2,000 programmers in just a little over a month since they, you guys launched. 3, there now, is the okay. pop <laughs> Three thousand. Yeah, today, today so is three thousand. How are you able to get that? So, if you have the the supply, mm-hmm. you have to match that demand. And again, in in order to match that, the competence technically, you need to make sure that it's good, not just good enough, but excellent mm-hmm. to bridge mm-hmm. that gap. I think, like first of all, like you use a very the exact term that we use all the time. You mentioned about role models earlier. When yeah. you look at our meta description of Stack League. It's about creating programming leaders that can inspire a nation into coding. Yeah. We want to create role models. So there are a lot of very good programmers, of course, in the Philippines, but there's no Mark Zuckerberg. Meaning like if you ask, you go to schools, you go and ask those programming students, who is the best programmer? I don't think they can keep, come up with the same name. If you ask them yep. who's the best, best boxer, they will tell you Manny Pacquiao. Yep. But there's no many Pacquiao of programming in the Philippines. Mm. Not yet. Want, yeah, not yet. So that's what we want to do. We want to create role models that younger people can look up to. Right? They want to become these people. 
So that's mm-hmm. that's the first thing that we want to achieve, and hopefully that can also, they can also serve as a mentor as well too. Like you mentioned earlier, we have different initiatives in the pipeline for them to kind of giving back to the community, just like NBA, kind of like NBA Care. You know, they have a lot right. of these things. It's teaching basketball and all these things. Same thing. Same thing. Like we. We want to create role models, superstars, and then we want to give them opportunity to give back to the community. At the same time, connect them with different mega opportunities. Well, too, once we have, they become the stars. Got so it. that's that's that uh, that's hopefully that can kind of kickstart the ecosystem, especially right now with the pandemic. I think um, uh, there's uh, accelerate accelerating the digital transformation, meaning the talent. Tech talent demand is even higher than before. Um, our, right. our, our partner, Job Streets, they mentioned uh, in last year, one of the six jobs that got a salary increase is accurate programming. So, yep. despite, despite the pandemic, this profession, the demand is continued to increase. So, the worst thing is the, on the flip side, the schools are producing even less. This year and last year, because the schools are closed, right? So there's a the the I think the the mismatch of supply and demand is become bigger and bigger, and what we want to do is we want to create role models that younger people can look up to and say, look, I want to learn programming because I want to become this person, right? So that's uh, and hopefully that can kind of help the entire ecosystem as well too. Like there are coding schools everywhere, you know like RVN school and all these schools, right? Like as long as we w- create these role models, the younger people say, I want to become this person and they can go out and look for different programming courses they can take and pursue like a tech career. Uh, that's, that's what we have in mind right now. Um, but again, the main thing is we want to create, um, and again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I also want to use Stack League to, be, uh, to kind of solve the problem of the perception that you know, top programmers are always from the top schools, which is never actually. When we look at us, league, yeah. that's not even the case. I think the top. I I don't think I don't think any of the top twenty programmers right now are from any of the top three schools. No, and yeah. I agree. Um, the the, the my last startup uh, that that I exited, I mm-hmm. built that from from programmers, my top devs were not from the top four schools. Mm. And again, you just got to give them opportunities and the right tutelage. I was lucky because my CTO back then is one of, you know, uh, he's a, he's a hermit. He doesn't show a lot of, show up a lot, but you have to find that my God, that guy is a Mensa member. Right? <laughs> so if you're a Mensa member type of dev, you, you must know your <laughs> shit, right? So if you're not sure what Mensa is, Google it. It's going to be in the show notes. Basically, <laughs> these are the people with the highest IQs in the world, mm. right? Th- that's a type of m- mentorship. But now, last question before I take our last break. How do mm. you know that you, you're, you found a role model type? Because here's another thing. Just like every one of us here in the entrepreneurship journey and whatnot, I've seen really good promising devs mm-hmm. here in the Philippines that could have been the next Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. You know, could have been really the, 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 that next great product dev mm-hmm. that's built a, a product startup, not just mm-hmm. sell his services overseas. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because 
as at the end of the day, again, most most devs are coming from underprivileged families, so you got to provide. Mm-hmm. And and if you're given uh, a really good six digit salary after three or four years by an Accenture type of company, then fucking hey, go go get it, mm-hmm. right? Because startups can't afford that, unfortunately, right? But I've seen again people that are about to excel kind of lose their heads a little bit. When I say lose their heads, they become, they think of themselves a little too much like they've already been Zuckerberg, but they haven't really proven anything. <laughs> How do you make sure that those role models are, are the ones that really other devs look for? Because, you know, if you've chose the wrong role model as well, and apparently that that person is, uh, is a narcissist per se, or, you know, and it becomes about him rather than paying it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if any any can but can can be a, a role model to be honest. Mm-hmm. As long as you if you have success. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's it's also the the values of that person mm-hmm. aside from the skill that you teach. Imagine mm-hmm. having a role model that is a narcissist but he's good then yes he's teaching the skills to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, he's teaching everybody to be a douchebag, to be an asshole. <laughs> How do you weed that out? Um, again, again, that's that's where we we need to come in as a platform. Again, uh, we need to reward the players uh, based on how they behave themselves as well, too, right? So, like the 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 ones that again, we have these community uh, outreach programs. You know, like the more you participate, the more people you help, the deeper and wider impact you have in the community we will connect you with better opportunities on the financial side, right? So we kind of like function kind of like, again, just like the NBA, right? All these stars, they manufacture stars, right? They manufacture stars. If you do the right thing, like LeBron, you do the right thing all the time uh, and you continue to work on your game, you know, the, the, the league is going to reward you. They're going to make you the poster child. Like they're going right. to put you on the NBA 2K. There you go. Yeah, right, so... It's the same thing. So, like, as long as you find, we will continue to provide your opportunity to help the community. And if you do so, we'll reward you. So, what we want to do is we reward the right behavior. Got it. Right. All right. Now, let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's talk about paying it forward to the rest of the programming world and all the entrepreneurs also (laughs) listening to this. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, you. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening pleasure. Wonderful choice of podcast, by the way. My name is Sam O, and I have a podcast too. It's called The Narrow Door. It's an ecumenical podcast, which means we talk about everything Christian. I mean, I got a panel on everything, so go give it a listen after this one, okay? All right, thanks. See you there. Hey guys, 2021 has been an exciting year for cryptocurrency because of Bitcoin getting all-time highs almost at a daily basis now. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that I use this app called B21 to invest in my crypto assets. What I love about B21 is they've made it so easy for me to invest because I do not have the time to watch the charts and see the dynamic flows of all these crypto assets. And because it's so easy to use, 
I was able to make massive gains right when Bitcoin was making that bull run. Now, I don't want to be the only guy who's actually benefiting from this because as a hustler, you need to make your money work for you. So download the B21 app now in the Google Play and App Store and use the code HUSTLE to see how easy it is to use and invest in your cryptocurrency now. And we're back from a break. We are still with Bill Ewan of Stack League. Who then told us that, you know, just like what J. Cole said, you need role models to become. <laughs> and I totally believe this because in, in entrepreneurship as well, it, to- it totally applies. Mm-hmm. Who your role model defines how you actually hustle mm-hmm. and how, 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 you, how you make it. I was mm-hmm. blessed to have role models that more than just telling me what to do or not, not really what to do, guiding me the choices of what I could have done better mm-hmm. is also preparing myself as to, to be the best leader that I can be. Because before, mm-hmm. when I was younger, I didn't really give a fuck, fuck the world, whatever. But now, optics matter. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. little things like not burning bridges is a big thing that only a proper role model or a mentor can mm-hmm. tell you because in an Asian setting, you know, it's a small world, man. <laughs> you know, burn bridges in Asia, man, you're fucked, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's what I want to, uh, again, I'm very, very impressed of why, why, what we discussed prior to the break. But now let's talk about opportunities. Because mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a programmer, again, you, you could only do half the job. And in order for this to work, it takes two to tango as a, as a programmer. You, mm-hmm. You're now giving the way. You're opening the door through Stack League. Mm-hmm. What can programmers do to maximize these opportunities? Because again, even if you open the door, leave it ajar. And if the motherfucker gets, doesn't come in <laughs> and just bungle the whole thing, even if you give a wide open layup, Fourth mm-hmm. quarter, you're down two, <laughs> and you're wide open. Nobody else behind you, and you're not prepared. You're going to miss that fucking shot. <laughs> so what can programmers do to make sure that they do take advantage of the opportunities they, they presented, especially within ta- stack, stack League, and you know, how can they get better jobs mm-hmm. now that this, this exists? Yeah, I think like first thing first, they need to try. Like They need to give it a shot. Um, just stack League, just like any sports, you don't know your capability until you play. So you need to play. You don't need to be intimidated because of, you know, like um, it seems like a very, like, you know, like because there are very good players, obviously already established. So like, but the thing is, you might be as good as those guys. You never know. Actually, when we look at our league, our contestants, sure. Even some of the top tens, when we interview them, some of them, they just learn. Like for example, like one of the girls, she just learned Java. She wow. just learned Java and then, and then she was like, okay, she was learning Java and then she just kind of wanted to test out her, the stuff that she learned. Right now, she's ranked number three in the nation. Wow. Like, uh, like, so like, like you, don't, you don't really know until you test it out, right? Like, especially, especially, you know, like a lot of times uh, we, we have some contestants. They are not even the best programmer in their company, in the team. So they, you know, like they kind of like the ones that just push papers, you know, the ones that kind of help out each other, but they're ne- never like the lead, lead uh, developer. MVP, and, per se. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, and then maybe because their background, they're not from the best schools or whatever, right? Yeah. So, 
so uh, self-esteem or whatever, right? But then once yeah. they enter the league, they realize actually they're pretty good and probably yes. and a lot actually they're even better than all of his teammates in the yeah. in the company. But initially he didn't know. He didn't know. Right. Right? So 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 the thing is like you wouldn't know until you take a shot. Like even even as as an entrepreneur, like again, I study music. So like right. what am I doing in tech and in business? If I if I don't try, I wouldn't know. So that's why right. I think like for for uh, contestants, just give it a shot. I mean, like it's it's free. We don't charge anything anyway. Just Correct. give it a shot, and then in the process, you can kind of learn about your strengths and weaknesses as well too, as a programmer. And hopefully, uh, the next step is hopefully we can actually find ways to help you improve so we can get better. Absolutely, and I totally agree because I think. A lot of the early building blocks of success is predicated on self-confidence. Again, mm-hmm. not the boastful type, because mm-hmm. real confidence is silent and yeah. humble. Yeah, the right? quiet confident, right? Exactly. You know, quiet confidence. You know what you can do. You know what you bring to the table. That you know, push comes to shove. I need to make that shot. Give the fucking ball, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna shoot that half court Damon Lillard style, right? <laughs> quiet confidence, but you know that that is done. So aside from trying, mm-hmm. that is done through repetition. You don't mm-hmm. become confident if you don't realize that number one, you're not good, and mm-hmm. you only become good by keep by 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 trying again and making pivots to make yourself improve. You mm-hmm. know, and number two, again, looking at just the strides you make. You know, not not being good doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that become really great in what they do, whether it's entrepreneurship, development, and whatnot. Require mm-hmm. countless of hours, you know, doing something over and over and over and over again, and yeah. you know, making different adjustments to become good. And then when you realize and look at 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 the the leaderboard, like, oh my God, I've seen the progress. Mm-hmm. That's to how you build that confidence. And once that confidence is built, mm-hmm. nobody else can take that away from you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think like I think Malcolm Gladwell said it before, like like you need ten thousand hours to master a skill, right? Yeah. Justin Bieber also said that. Ten thousand hours. <laughs> 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 to make someone fall in love. Oh ha. There you go. <laughs> I think we, we learn we learn from different sources. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same metric. Ten thousand hours right there. Okay. All right. Um next question I wanted to ask, right? Just going back, circling back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a as a programmer, if you happen to try Stack League, mm-hmm. and you you're not average, you're just below average, mm-hmm. and this is where a lot of people stop. If you mm-hmm. don't have that inner motivation to become better, like ah oh, shit, I'm shit at this. I don't want to mm-hmm. continue anymore. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for those people that ah, you know what? I'm 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 in the leaderboard. There's five hundred five people. <laughs> above me, uh, and that, and again, in any competition that happens. But mm-hmm. how can how if 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 someone ends up in that situation, how do you what do you tell them to to keep going and so that they can rise up the ranks? I think the main thing for us is we just want to provide more opportunities to attract more people. The way we design the league is actually not just to reward the top ones, not at all. It's actually try to uh, we actually even the people that rank at the 1,000 level, 
they will still get rewarded as long as they participate. Yeah. So it's not a winner take all type of uh, competition. Okay. It's not the Hunger Games. Yeah, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were president Snow this whole time. Like this guy trying to get all these uh, programmers kill the, the kill each other now. Okay, so that's good. All right, now I can sleep better. <laughs> Just kidding. But, all right, um, a lot, couple more things. That's just an entrepreneur circling back in. Seven, seven tries, four failures, three exits. Again, whatever you want to call it. But for mm-hmm. some reason, Bill, you always find a way to look for ideas and identifying opportunities and pursue them and somehow mm-hmm. turn it to an exit. <laughs> Sell it to somebody else just in the nick of time when, you know, <laughs> when shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> I want to find out what's your MO in mm-hmm. looking for those opportunities and how you pursue them. Because a lot of opportunities, again, are just hidden in plain sight. And some entrepreneurs miss it because it looks complicated. <laughs> it, it looks like, you know, uh, yeah, it's hard. But for you, you always find it in the rubble, in the storage <laughs> unit. You find it somewhere in there. There's value and you make the most out of it. How do you do that? Normally, I, I kind of get a sense of what kind of problem I want to solve. So first of all, like I always say, I always tell other entrepreneurs when they ask me questions, um, you, there's no roadmap. There's no roadmap. Uh, the word I always use is navigate. So it's kind of like you're at point A, you want to get to point B and point B is what you want to achieve. It's like, I just dropped you in a forest and the point B is the mountain. You know, you need to get to point B, but you don't really know exactly how to get there. So you kind of need to navigate. And along the way, along the way, um, there are a lot of trial and errors, right? And, and uh, I don't call setback, uh, failures. I normally call them set, setbacks. Yep, and, and then and then the thing is, like people say, oh, I, I it's it's very hard, it's very difficult. I again going back to sports, when you get to the championship level, it's always a dogfight. Yeah, you never you never win pretty. And, and for example, in basketball, it's about how many times you dive on the floor, how hard you play, how much hustle you have. Yeah, right? I mean, like when you look at any boxing matches, no champions. Have they all the champions have like a busted face? You yep. know, no one's win pretty. So, if you think that like, hey, like we should have a plan. You even even for programmers. Uh, the other day I was talk, chatting with my team. Uh, some 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 developers they say like they they want to have like a product roadmap. I kind of want to have like kind of know what kind of features I want to build in the next six twelve months. I'm like that's not how it works. You kind of need to navigate your way. Um, your product, you're supposed to build a lot of embarrassing products along the way to learn what product, what people want. It's the same thing as, as startup. When we built this business, of course, I didn't mention all these, like, like these setbacks that can be very embarrassing. Uh, it's not fun at all. But it, I think that's the main thing. The main thing is you need to understand that you are navigating. There's no roadmap. You don't go out and ask people, like, can you actually tell me how to build a company like this? Yeah. Everyone, like you mentioned earlier, everyone is different. Everyone, and I think, like, you, you brought up one very important point. The main thing is, I think it's very important to understand your coping mechanism. Like, how do you cope with these setbacks? That's the main yep. thing, because there'll be a lot. And, and, and then hopefully this journey can actually help you become more mentally tough. And that is actually the most success, most important metrics 
to measure uh, even an athlete's success as well too. It's more of the mental toughness. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, like the thing about like people say, oh, I might not be as talented as the other guy. That's why I cannot be successful as a programmer or as an entrepreneur. I mean, look at sports. Look at the NBA. Everybody can run and jump. Right. Everybody can dunk. All all of these guys used to be somebody in the college. They're supposed to be the nation top prospects, and now they become, and even they're the best on their team on or the city. They still become the end of the bench guy on on the professional team. Yep. Right. So everyone is talented in the field. Everyone is talented. So you don't win by talent. You win by hustle. You win. You win by hustle. That's the only thing. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's not how I see it. I totally agree, and I still remember, you know, a lot of what uh, we used to do back in high school when we're literally being grilled. Just you know, every every season you have to compete in the UAAP, which is technically like the NCAA in mm. in, in in the US, mm. right? And the thing is, yes, there will be different talent levels. So a lot mm. of it is God given, you know. Mm. There there's there's different trajectories in terms of potential. Mm-hmm. But what I remember is vividly especially you mentioned about uh, mental toughness we go through the same fucking drills Mm -hmm. right and there are certain drills that we used to do that's why and it's not really for for to become to to get the best skill out of you Mm -hmm. it's it's to see how you wilt under pressure and how you perform under pressure Mm -hmm. are you going to be filled with poise or -hmm. are you going to whimper away like an idiot with a or or a chicken without a head right Mm -hmm. So those mental toughness drills, like, dude, they're being screamed at. We're literally, literally being bamboozled. Mm-hmm. And at a young age, you develop that skill and nothing can really fuck with you, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know that you have your inner zen that, ah, I've been here before, I've done that. All right, last question. You're selling companies. Mm-hmm. How do you get this done? Because this is easily one of the most tedious, I mean, I've, I've had that tra- type of transaction. And mm-hmm. it doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of DD. There's a lot, especially if you're going to sell it for a significant amount. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of back and forth before mm-hmm. a, that transaction even happens. Mm-hmm. What's your MO and how do you do it repetitively? Because you always mm-hmm. find a way to like unload and then press the eject button mm-hmm. just when, you know, uh, in the nick of time. What's your MO? Actually, the DD needs to go both ways. Well, too, you actually need to know your buyers. I, I heard stories that, and I know personally, like there are people, the friends of mine as well, too, they, they sell to the wrong people. And yep. they actually have no intention of buying the business. Or they're not, and they're not even, to pay. They, they make you sign, but they're not even going to pay. Or they only pay you a percentage. Yeah. Right? Like there, there are a lot of sharks <laughs> like yeah. in the business and like so I, I think the main thing is you need not only they do the due diligence you also need to do the due diligence on the buyers and make just need to make sure that you got the numbers like a lot of people that even raising not just not not just selling but also raising money they always just talk about an idea right they kind of paint this picture and they say like oh this guy is really good at selling companies or these guys are really good at raising money I'm not, not really. I think like these guys, the only reason why these guys can raise money and sell their business because their numbers are real. You know, yeah. they don't, they have real numbers. They're not selling some kind of like fantasy. That's why yeah. they can sell their business. Right. right. So, yeah. really so having I, that traction is, is important yeah. because that's at the end of the day, again, that's what you sell in that transaction. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, last question for you. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you would have done something differently through this whole crazy navigation that you've done towards, you know, getting out of that forest that you did over all these businesses, what would you have done differently? What would I have done differently? I think um, there are a lot of things I've done differently, but let's put it the other way around. Like, let's say if I don't start this business, what I'm going to do, I'll probably run for the office. Wow. I I feel like, (laughs) I mean, of course, not really, but the thing is, I feel like the way we do things and the way we think it's a lot like a politician. So like a lot of times when I talk to my staff, like when we describe a company, I say like, we are more like a social project with a business model. Got it. So we, we never think about business. We, even for previous companies, I actually, we normally have a sense of the business model, but I don't really just go after the revenue model. I really want to create something that can actually solve a problem. Makes sense. All right. And again, uh, appreciate the time, my man. I, I, I don't remember any type of episode where I reference basketball as much as I did today. I'm a big basketball junkie. So thank you very much again for being on Hustle Share. But before I let you go, Bill, invite people over and what they need. And if they want to check out Stack League, what do they do and how do they do that? So they can go to stackleague.com and they can join and it's free. There you go. Again, thanks very much, Bill. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app you like to use to listen to Hustle Share. And again, if we did say some junk on, it's going to be the Hustle Share, Hustle Share show notes. Man, that's a, that's a, I'm getting talked twisted right now. Hustle Share show notes on hustleshare.com. And again, if you want to join the community and how we grow the show, it's going to be the Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, message us on our Hustle Share chatbot at m.me slash hustleshare. Powered by Chatbot PH. Again, Bill, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. All right. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. <laughs> 